Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Hello. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm so glad you chose to join us. I think we're in for a delightful episode tonight. The topic tonight, the genie in your genes, and we're not talking about Levi's, we're talking about your DNA, the genie in your genes, and our guest tonight is Dr. Dawson Church. We're going to bring Dr. Church on in just a minute, but I wanted to just noodle around this notion of the human genome. And, you know, we've done hundreds and hundreds of uh, interviews on this show about the human persona or the human archetype or however you want to contextualize this experience we're all having. But, you know, if you you, uh, leave through the pages of the, the big book of mythology of our human story, if you will, there's these episodes, there's these chapters where the human persona, the human genome, has, um, accomplishes uh, seemingly miraculous things. We've said on the show many times that Jesus performed these miracles. He um, evolved form and flavor. And he also said, at some point, y'all will be doing that too. And uh, um, when, when we look at ourselves, this this human experience that we're having, I love love to bring uh, new perspective, new insights about just how powerful we are as a personification of source consciousness, if you will, of a of a human genome um, propagating through a, a human storyline, both individually and collectively. You know, there's so much upheaval. I mean, I mean, every <laughs> I laugh because on this radio show, I'll talk about upheaval of the collective consciousness, and it seems like the bar gets raised every week, right? I mean, for, for a while it was the corona th- thing, and, and now it's all this global protesting. And I'm, I'm almost afraid to think of what the next few episodes will have as far as the chaos of the collective uh, um, consciousness, if you will, on the planet. But uh, as we talk about it tonight, our consciousness, our intention, our thoughts, those are, they're really, they're genuinely a very powerful wand of sorts. They're, they're a point of entry of effect. You, me, um, Dr. Church, every human persona is a point of effect, not only in our life individually, but certainly in our lives collectively. And the human genome, I think, I think the human genome is not only remarkable and brilliant, but I think by design it has an evolutionary path of which much of that path we have not embodied yet. And I think what turns that on or activates it is the vibration of our consciousness. But that's that's more for the topic of 
of what we're going to talk about tonight. I think we should get right to it because we're going to have plenty of content. Again, the the topic tonight is the genie in your genes, and our guest is Dr. Dawson Church. The genie in your genes, epigenetic medicine, and the new biology of intuition is Dr. Church's book. Dr. Church is an award-winning author whose best-selling book, The Genie in Your Genes, has been held by reviewers as a breakthrough in our understanding of the link between emotions and genetics. His follow-up title, Mind to Matter, which was the last episode we interviewed him here on the New Human Loving Radio Show, Mind to Matter reviews the science of peak mental states and his book, Bliss Brain, Boy, that, that, that catches you right there. will be published in August of this year. He founded the National Institute for Integrative Healthcare to study and implement promising evidence-based psychological and medical techniques. Dr. Church's brown, groundbreaking research has been published in prestigious scientific journals. He is the editor of Energy Psychology, Theory, research and treatment, a peer-reviewed professional journal, and he is also a blogger for the Huffington Post. He shares how to apply the breakthroughs of energy psychology to health and athletic performance through EFT Universe, one of the largest alternative medicine sites on the web. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Church to the show. Welcome to the show. Les is a great Pleasure to be here again. Thanks for having me. Now, epigenetics, the, the, the notion that our genes are more pliable than perhaps we have uh, thought in the past. When did, I mean, as I read your, uh, your background here, you've been immersed in, this, in this, human, this human genome or archetype for quite some time. When did epigenetics come on the scene for you? It came on the scene in a big way for me when I worked with Bruce Lipton on his book, Biology of Belief. And I worked with him on the book early before it became a a big bestseller. And I was really struck by the, the potential of what he was suggesting. What I wanted to do was take the Biology of Belief a step further and show how energy therapies are able to catalyze gene expression. And what I found was happening was I'd go to, to energy therapy conferences and I would listen to healers, I'd study methods they were, they, were, they were sharing there, I'd experience sessions myself. Then I'd go to conferences that were focused on epigenetics and they were in their own little world. They had no idea energy healing was there. Energy healing had no idea epigenetics was there. And so then psychology conferences were equally oblivious to both of those fields. And so the big psychology conferences were explaining things in terms of psychology, not realizing the underpinnings in epigenetics or the potential of energy healing. And so I wanted to really tie all those threads together. I, I do do original research I've been involved in, around 100 clinical trials in one way or another, about 20 of them as principal investigator. But um, what I find is that there, 
people in science are specialists, and they really are going to be deep into one part of science that they know a lot about or another. And there are very few generalists and also very few people who tie the whole thing together. So we all hear about epigenetics, we hear about brain waves, we hear alpha waves are important, we hear that stress is important, we know that hormones like cortisol do something, but there are very few books that really put, package the information in intelligible ways. And as my um, criterion is, I have to be able to explain this to my housekeeper. <laughs> All right. And I, yeah. I, I don't stop trying to find analogies and simple explanations. I'm, I'm convinced I can explain this complicated thing that Albert Einstein wrote a paper about to my housekeepers. So that's really what my books try and do. Is they, they try and take these complex fields of knowledge, make them simple, n- not any simpler than they really can be, but at least as simple as possible, illustrate them with human stories, and then then show you what the meaning of those, those facts is and how you can apply them in your life. So that's really how I, I came to write The Genie in Your Genes. So I, I think it might serve as well to just uh, put a definition to epigenetics because that term it hasn't been really utilized much in our Western culture. Can you give us a snapshot of uh, the meaning of that word? Surprisingly, there hasn't been a consensus meaning of the word until very recently. And what it means is that there is an alteration in gene expression. So the, the, the proteins that are coded, because of course our genes have the, have the information to, con- to encode these big complicated molecules called proteins. And so our body needs instructions for how to build those. And so those instructions are found in the genome. And so... The, the definition of epigenetics is that there's a change in those instructions, but it does not involve an alteration in the genome itself. The genome is the same, same way it is. So you'll find the same strand of DNA, for example, creating two different kinds of protein. So it's a change in gene expression that is triggered from outside the DNA often actually outside the cell, sometimes outside the body. And so it's external influences determining which genes are expressed and which proteins they make. Now, how would this... Adler's by way of, way of co- context, that the original Crick and Watson paper on, on the genome, so that the whole structure of DNA was defined by Crick and Watson, and what they drew in their diagrams, which they won the Nobel Prize, for discovering the double helix structure of DNA was they, 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 they in their model in, called genetic determinism, all information comes from the gene. The gene is the source of all the information of life. What we now know is that outside factors acting on the gene are able to change gene expression. So that's the big revolution of epigenetics. So that outside factor that influences that, now that's a pretty open term. Um, Are we looking at intention and consciousness, or is there a medical apparatus that provides that external um, influence? You know, we could do 10 shows 
on that question, Les. <laughs> because we, we you know, and, and, and the approach I take is that we Westerners are so used to thinking about the, uh, the matter of our bodies, the matter of our, of our external world being shaped and influenced by matter. So we have a headache, we take an aspirin, we, we, um, we, we pull a ligament, we get a surgery. We're so used to thinking in terms of material stuff. And like right now right. With, with the COVID epidemic, I'm so struck by the fact that everyone's looking for the cure, everyone's looking for the antidote, the vaccine. And what you don't hear anything about at all is the many things we can do many of them free, that boost the levels of immune antibodies that are responsible for neutralizing coronaviruses. And so we're looking for those external things. We're all focuses on the, on the pill, on the, the antidote, and on the vaccine. And virtually no attention is being paid to things that can raise our immunity naturally, of which there are many, many, many things stimulate this. So, so we tend to think of, uh, in terms of material explanations, we really don't look at energy explanations. But before there were pills and surgeries and, and, and vaccines and all of these other kinds of, of wonderful modern medical advances, we didn't have all those things. We had energy. And so shamans, ancient shamans, studied the human body and noticed that there were energy flows in the body. And they said, these are meridians. These energy, these energy flows flow in channels in the body, and these are the meridians. And they talked about the chakra system, and they talked about, about the, the biofield, things like this. And these are, are potent avenues into healing. And so nowadays, we, we very much are in love in the West with this, this reductionistic model of, of, of medicine, which gives us huge benefits. I mean, we, we need those drugs. We need those surgeries. We also, though, need energy. And that really is, is what this whole field is all about, energy medicine, energy psychology. So, yes, we can influence the gene genome using mechanical methods. The earliest studies, like in 1999, 2003, they were focused on using diet. They were feeding animals a different diet, rich in certain things, which would change gene, gene expression. So it was all about the external influences on gene expression. But now there is more research, and I've actually done several really leading clinical trials on this, showing that energy therapies are epigenetic. Energy therapies can affect gene expression. In one study done with, with veterans, we looked at veterans getting 10 sessions of acupressure uh, tapping, tapping on acupressure points, people with PTSD, high levels of PTSD, flashbacks, nightmares, intrusive thoughts. And after 10 sessions, we found that there were significant changes in inflammation genes, in immunity genes, in a suite of genes to do with stress. And so uh, research like this is showing that these energy therapies are epigenetic, and it's not just the mechanical stuff, the pills we take, or the surgeries we have, or the vaccines, or the antidotes that are having an effect on our gene expression. It's also our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, our energy is having an effect, and sometimes a profound effect. And I'll, I'll wrap this up by giving you just one, telling you just one study I did with, with people at, at a one-week retreat. And 
At the retreat, we were working on anxiety, depression, all kinds of things that, that bother them, psychological trauma. And we were also having them meditate, meditate in the morning, and then do EFT, acupressure tapping, in the afternoon on their traumatic memories and events in their lives. And we were looking especially at the stress hormone, cortisol. We, we died, had several clinical trials of cortisol. They all showed that cortisol dropped precipitously after EFT. And in, this, in that study, we found that between day one and day seven, the end of the, the week, there was a 37% drop in baseline cortisol. And normally cortisol doesn't drop more than a few percentage points in a week, but it dropped 37% in that week. We also were looking at immunoglobulins, which are the antibodies that stick to coronaviruses and neutralize them. We, and usually in, in the body, what you find is there's, there's equilibrium. So as the bad stuff goes down, the good stuff goes up. And when cortisol goes down, it makes all kinds of biological precursors available for, <clears throat> for healthy, healthy biochemistry. And so as their cortisol went down by 37% in that week, <clears throat> their levels of those immune antibodies went up 113% just in a week. And that's the power epigenetically of these energy therapies. Well, I'm with you. I think um, that should be the, the at least part of the mainstream effort to for the rank and file of humanity to um, improve their their health in response to being having a, a a very effective immune system to the corona situation, and yet it doesn't get that much airtime. You know the. Um, Two thoughts come to mind: the notion of a placebo, where we're told that this is really kick-ass medicine; it's gonna uh. it's gonna cure us. And then the notion of hypnosis. Uh, there's been episodes of hypnosis that uh, the hypnotist has a regular fountain pen and tells the um, person on, under hypnosis that it's really hot, and when they touch their skin, their skin blisters. And this, uh, both of these show a uh, uh, direct response between our consciousness and kind of a real-time effect on ourselves. If Western medicine has been telling us that some of our diseases are hereditary and genetic in the sense that, well, you know, tough cookies, uh, it's a genetic problem, you're on your own. Does epigenetics really kind of turn that on its head and open up new opportunities to uh, have a, a different outcome to those types of situations? That is a great question, Les. And in The Genie in Your Genes, I tell a story of two identical twins in England that have been much studied, and uh, they... They're, of course, they're identical, so that's when the egg splits and it's fertilized, and then there are two babies born with identical genes, not similar genes, identical genes. So you would expect these kids to have very, very similar health histories. You'd expect them to get, you know, the say if one gets a cold, the other one might get a cold. If one develops a disease, you'd expect the second one to get a disease, and you would think if that theory of genetic determinism was effective, that those 
two lives would follow very similar trajectories, and in fact, they don't. There are so many interesting stories of people who are identical twins and who don't have the same health results. And so these two girls had a very different outcome in that when they were two years old, the one twin developed childhood leukemia and the other one did not. Now, leukemia is a highly inherited disease. So they're being raised in the same household by the same parents. They're wearing the same dresses. In fact, you can't tell them apart. Why does one get leukemia and the other not? And the doctors right. were just absolutely baffled by this. It's like, I mean, they're eating the same diet. They have the same friends, the same degree of social support. This makes no sense whatsoever. And eventually they exhaustively examined their health histories, and they found there was only one thing different about Olivia, the little girl who got leukemia, and that was that at six months old, she had a tonsillectomy, and her sister did not. And they hypothesized that the, the stress of that tonsillectomy was such that it triggered the expression of those cancer genes. So I, I mention this because you have genes in your body for heart disease, for cancer, for all kinds of adverse medical conditions, and it's not whether you have the gene or not that's so important. It's whether that genetic switch is turned on or is turned off. And healthy lifestyle, healthy diet, exercise, love makes a huge difference in people's health outcomes. Their healthy habits. You mentioned the placebo effect of hypnosis. And like I, uh, I read one study showing that when water is blessed by a healing touch practitioner and the healing touch practitioner holds his or her hands over a water sample that the molecular composition of that changes. And a famous uh, scientist called Bernard Grad at McGill University did a whole series of experiments where he watered plants with his blessed water. And he found that plants watered with the blessed water grew much stronger, much healthier, and later replications of his work found they had much more chlorophyll in their leaves than plants that hadn't been blessed. So we are having this effect around us on our genes and on living organisms like plants all the time just by the quality of our, our consciousness. So absolutely, you may have that gene for breast cancer. You may have those genes that contribute to heart disease or or lupus, or diabetes, or any other kind of uh, disease, but it's not whether you, it's not the cards in your hands, it's how you play them, and you can choose to play them in the healthiest possible way, and there are people with all the, the genes for Alzheimer's, it's called a gene called the apogene, that never develop Alzheimer's, because they are playing their cards in the healthiest possible way. So, of the spectrum of of genetic disorders and diseases, only about 5% are regarded as being pretty much fixed. The other 95% are, are regarded as being are largely under our control. And even those 5% that are strongly genetic, genetic, they are affected by energy, they are affected by our beliefs, our thoughts, all the things we do that are under, under our control. So I have one chapter in the Genie in Your Genes called You, the Ultimate Epigenetic engineer, because you're doing genetic engineering on your cells, on your body, with every thought you think, 
every belief, negative or positive, every time you do an act of kindness or altruism, all of these things are nudging your gene expression one way or another. Right. Well, um, from my perspective, and I I have 0.0 medical training or education, so I'm an outside observer for sure, but um, um, Western medicine is... um, there's still a lot of uh, mystery meat, pardon the pun, to the human genome. Um, there's been um, organs in our body where Western medicine didn't know what it did, didn't have a specific um, understanding of its role. Maybe the tonsils have uh, a broader effect on the human genome than Western medicine has discovered yet. Um, Western medicine describes the the parts of the DNA they don't understand is junk, but how can such an exquisite mechanism with brilliant, brilliant design have any junk in it? I mean, it, if you understand the the mechanics of genetics enough to form a human body, um, why would you dump a bunch of junk in the genes just for uh, filler, if you will? It I mean, to me, to me, it's not that absurd. <laughs> Too funny. Filler is junk DNA. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, I mean, well, they're telling us that, you know, whatever percent, I don't know what it is, 70, 80, 90% of our DNA doesn't do squat, and they're saying we only use 10% of our brain. I'm like, well, isn't that curious that those two um, ratios are approximately the same? So let's let's bring it down to the the listener. I mean, in in into a, more of a everyday conversation. If I'm a listener and and this new epigenetics is telling me that um, the the what we've discovered in the past isn't the whole story, how do I even go about? As a say, say I have a physical condition, and in the past it's been considered untreatable. How would I apply my own intention, my own consciousness, my own will towards my own physical body, my own physical persona, um, in order to bring about a, a new outcome, a new dyna- dynamic through the mechanics of epigenetics? you would want to change your thinking, change your beliefs, and become as positive a person as possible. All of these things change your energy. And when I talk about energy, I'm not talking about a mysterious energy. I'm talking about literal electromagnetic energy. In a clinical trial, I did large-scale MRI study just being concluded now. We looked at the brains of people doing one month of a method called eco-meditation. And I'm a strong believer in meditation, but a lot of meditation is people closing their eyes and their minds wandering all over the place and not getting any real medical benefit from it. But eco-meditation is a very simple set of physiological cues you do. And so you want to do an effective meditation like eco-meditation. And we found that in just a month, of people doing, following these instructions, doing this for 20 minutes a day, 
their brain function changed dramatically. The, the core of suffering in the brain, there's a part of the brain called the midprefrontal cortex that builds your notion of self. So I'm sitting here, I'm in a, uh, uh, an office in Northern California, I'm wearing a gray shirt, um, I'm doing an interview, I'm focusing on my book, The Genie in Your Genes. In other words, I'm totally self-absorbed. I'm thinking about myself, and much of my thinking about self tends to be, did I do this right? Am I going to have a good, good interview? Am I going to forget something important? A lot of it is to do with criticizing ourselves and finding fault with ourselves. And so there's this incessant, self-absorbed, negative, constructed being that is built by the midprefrontal cortex. And we found in our MRI study that that part of the brain went dark. Now, monks, Tibetan monks who've done 10,000 lifetime hours can make their midprefrontal cortex go dark. But certainly, novice meditators usually cannot. And so in just a month, these people doing this effective meditation technique, eco-meditation, um, were able to make their, their midprefrontal cortex, which is the seat of the suffering self, go dark. Then when that went dark, another part of the brain lit up. And on the MRI scans, it showed up as red, because red means increased activity, blue is decreased activity. And what lit up brightly in the brain scans of these people after a month was a part of the brain called the insula, and it has to do with compassion. It has, it has a lot of different functions, but compassionate people have highly active insulas. Now, we looked at these brain scans, and they were totally ordinary and unexceptional and boring and routine and standard for a 20,000-hour Tibetan monk. So if you were measuring the brains of a Tibetan monk and you saw these patterns of activation with the midprefrontal cortex going dark and the insula lighting up like a Christmas tree, you say, well, of course, this person's done 20,000 lifetime hours of meditation. They've been in a cave in the Himalayas. They've been in Buddhist retreats. Of course, they have this pattern of brain activation. But we did this. We saw these people doing this after spending only 22 minutes a day for a month. So it's possible to trigger these changes. And, and science is now reverse engineering all of these, these states of these Tibetan monks. And they're now, we're now developing these advanced methods like eco-meditation that are getting people to that, that place not in 20,000 hours, but in 20 days. And that's really the exciting contribution science is making as, as science talks to spirituality and we study spiritual people and we then reverse engineer what they're doing to make it easy for others. We're now able to start triggering these states in people really, really rapidly so they don't have to spend huge amounts of time or devote their life to renunciation of the world. They can do it when they're in the office. They can do it when they're parenting. They can do it any, any time. And that's really just the big trajectory of change I see happening now in society. More and more people are realizing that they can have these, these positive effects on themselves and they're, they're doing something about it. Right. Well, that's very encouraging. Um, and I think as your information gets out there with your books and whatnot and, and we have more people, practitioners, that are engaging in these principles, the, the metrics of the effect will be, become clearer for us. You know, uh, 
for myself, I had a very interesting experience when I was 35. You could say it was a cosmic two-by-four, if you will, in that um, before this moment in time, um, which changed my life like a bug on a windshield, um, I, uh, I I thought myself a TV engineer, and I didn't. I not much had changed my life, but um, as far as my physical body was concerned, I had. Uh, a digestive tract problem for a decade. I was starting to get ulcers. I was grinding my teeth in my sleep. And in this one particular moment, I'm on a, a shrink's couch, and uh, he said, uh, Les, come on, let's talk about this anger. And I'm like, I don't get angry. I'm the most mellow, chilled on the planet. And, and he stuck his hand out. He stuck his hand, and I said, come on, push on my hand. I'm like, okay, this is so lameless. And I pushed on his hand, and I kind of sunk in the overstuffed couch. He got up in my face, and he said, no, really, look, it's safe. It's safe. I'm here. I'm not scared. Would you show me your anger? And Dawson, I tell you what, it was like a valve in my psyche opened up, and this huge amount of energy streaming out of my persona, this huge amount of raw energy is flowing through me and I'm going what the and I remember saying what the hell are you and the energy is like I don't give a crap what you think of me I'm leaving see ya and it was it was raw anger that I had accumulated in my subconscious and the reason I bring this up is when we talk about epigenetics and the, the DNA being programmed from external environments um, not that those elements were particularly genetic, but as I released this ton of um, suppressed anger, emotion, energy from my psyche, my all these symptoms disappeared in very short period of time. My digestive tract stabilized. My ulcer went away on its own, and and it was like I had a a significant pivot in my health that was directly related to the upheaval or capitulation of this suppressed subconscious emotional energy. Wow, that's powerful. And th- that has been noted by therapists uh, for, for, for a while, like Fritz Perls, who was the <clears throat> psych therapist who founded the field of gestalt therapy. He noticed the same thing, that his his with his clients, often their physical stuff cleared up when um, there was an emotional release. Liz, one of the, the most fun things I do, kind of tongue-in-cheek, is I teach a lot of live workshops every year, and this year, of course, is a bit different because of the, the pandemic and social isolation, but we're picking up with, with live workshops near the end of the year, and we're doing a lot of virtual workshops in the meantime. But um, at those live workshops, I usually uh, do one one session at least in a, like a five-day workshop, and I ask for somebody who has a purely physical problem. I want somebody who has a physical problem like your teeth grinding or li- like your ulcer that has absolutely no emotional component to it. So all, all people stand up and say, well, I have this thing, and, and it's been diagnosed, as, and they'll tell me their diagnosis. And um, like one lady, I, and I'll pick somebody. I'll, I'll, I'll have maybe five people tell stories. I'll pick the one where it's totally clearly purely physical. Like I had this one uh, lady in her 80s called Betty, and um, I'm using her real name because she allowed us to videotape her session. And she said, I had an operation 
for a rotator cuff tear in my shoulder, and they shortened the biceps muscle too much, and I've had this pain in my right biceps ever since I woke up from anesthesia after the surgery. So, yeah, here we go, perfect candidate. This is a purely physical problem. She knows the day it happened, it's attributable to that surgery in which they got it, the doctors got the length of that biceps slightly wrong when they um, sewed it together again. So here, here we have a candidate for that. And so, so it's pretty clear. And it's, it's always there. The pain has been there continuously for many years since the surgery. It's always around a 4 out of 10 in intensity. So I picked Betty to work on. And so I tried a few little things with her. And I said to her, you know, Betty, if you were to give that pain in your arm a name, what would you call it? And she said, I would call it Fred. <laughs> so I said, and are there any real-life friends in, in your life? And she said, yeah, my, my ex-husband. Um, he's dead now, but his, he, was, he died before me, but his name was Fred. And I said, and do you have any emotional, unresolved business around Fred? And I like your anger, Les. She had plenty of unresolved <laughs> ang- anger and, and resentment about Fred, which we then did EFT tapping on at the workshop. And it was a pretty brief session. It wasn't like you know an hour-long session. It was only like half an hour, maybe, working with her, with her, but uh, as she tapped, I then had her move her arm around after the session working on her resentment and anger toward her dead husband, and the pain went away. It went, went to a zero. So even a purely, you know, we think of certain conditions in our lives as purely physical. I have this congenital condition. It's genetic my parents had it before me. People in our family have this. We have all these reasons why we trap ourselves in limitation. And most of those stories, Les, are lies. I'm not saying that really bluntly. They're lies. They're not true. We have these things we say about ourselves, our, our spouses, our, our money, our work, our creativity, and they just aren't true. And my books are full of stories of people who challenge those. And I challenge people at my workshops, my live workshops and virtual workshops. I'll sit there and listen respectfully to them. I won't be telling them it's not true. But you'll see them tapping, even like Betty, on a purely physical disease or ailment. And there's an underlying emotional component. And when the emotional component is released, just like you experienced, the physical problems go away. Right, and I real real quickly working in TV for decades, we aired the Oprah Winfrey show, and there's an Oprah Winfrey episode. This is in the '80s, and she brought out eight people in a wheelchair, and one of them was her producer. So all eight people are in the wheelchair; they can't walk. And this doctor came on the program, and then he took them all up to his <clears throat> his office in New York. And eight weeks later, they had another episode, and all eight people walked out on the stage. <laughs> and the only thing that doctor did was talk to them. And, and the, the, the result of that was the physical pain they, they projected onto their body was to cover up an emotional pain of their wow. system aspect of their life. Like a one of them had chosen a career, a career advancement instead of helping his mother who was dying of a disease. 
and the pain of mm. making that choice, he he inflicted himself with pain and he crippled himself. And it was only through that conversation that um, all eight cases were alleviated through the, the mental construct, if you will. So, I mean, when when we're talking genie in your genes, our our uh, sense of self, our our, our uh, mental demeanor, if you will, our constitution of consciousness. Wow, where in the hell did I come up with that? <laughs> but we have more say in in what's going on in our body through our um, our the projection of our mind than it than seems evident, don't you think? We have a huge influence due to the our minds and our minds in many ways our our bodies are in many ways projections of our minds, um, and I'll tell you how that plays out over time. So when I talk about in that week that people's levels of immune antibodies, which guard against coronaviruses in that one-week workshop, they went up by 113%. That's uh, an effect that's happening in a very brief time frame. And so you look then at what happens in long periods of time. And one of my favorite studies looked at um, a huge number of people over 30 years and it examined them in terms of their, the way they look at the world. And it compared people whose primary way of seeing the world was a glass half empty versus a glass, glass half full. And they found that the optimists in that large group of people over 30 years, they lived, they were much more likely to reach the age of 80 or great or older. And when they got there, they lived on average 10 years longer than the pessimists. So that little thought you have that, that makes your heart beat faster, that raises your cortisol, a little negative thought. You think, I, you know, I don't like this about myself. I don't like this about my body, about my work. Uh, I don't, I'm criticizing this person now. I'm, I'm angry at the protesters. I'm angry at the, at the economy. I, I, I hate right. corporations. These negative thoughts, they seem small and innocuous and fleeting, one after the other, but multiply them by a lifetime, and you're either giving yourself or taking away from yourself 10 extra years of life based on that one psychological characteristic of optimism or pessimism alone. When you factor in altruism as well, when you factor in compassion for others as well, compassion activates all kinds of genetic switches in your body that are good for your health. Spiritual practice, equanimity, emotional regulation, all of these things are, are, are powerful, and every one of them is shaping our bodies. They're intangible. Again, I mentioned earlier, we don't give these kinds of energy interventions very much credit in Western medicine, but if you look at these big studies like the Optimist Pessimist study, you find that over time they are literally either killing you or giving you an extended healthy lifespan. Wow. Well, and, and I think perhaps uh, at the core of your ability or perhaps inability to have influence over your health is whether you believe you can or 
whether you believe you can't. And the reason I'm bringing this up is I'm I'm thoroughly impressed with your platform of what you've been doing with your life, basically, because you're cranking out um, these books, uh, The Genie in Your Genes, Mind to Matter, and later this year, Bliss Brain. And you're doing this based on evidence-based uh, research and psychological and medical techniques. And so I... To me, it seems like you're you're validating the belief of of a connection between our consciousness and our health that hasn't been really adopted so much by the mainstream. And um, through interviews like this and whatnot, I um, really kudos to you because you're making it real to us. You're making it believable because it is. But um, if we don't believe it, it's not going to happen. And and you're kind of shattering the old stigmas of a rather static model that Western medicine had for really decades. I love taking the tools of Western medicine like MRIs, like EEGs, like gene chips, like um, hormone measurement assays, and then applying them to consciousness-based interventions like EFT and meditation and prayer and intention. And so we take these tools, these wonderful new tools of science, and we apply them to these traditional practices because, of course, things like meditation and um, energy work has been around for, for thousands of years. And we then apply those tools to look at what happens to the body when we offer them to people. And we're finding, you know, enormous change often. Like if, if I told you that we found this, um, this wonderful new antidote to the coronavirus, that will raise your levels of antibodies that fight coronaviruses. And if I told you, if I was a medical researcher, I was head of, a, say, a pill company, a pharmaceutical company, I said, I said we've got this pill, and it, it's going to raise your immunity by 20%. And it's going it's to cost you $5,000 a year, but it's going to raise your immunity. It's going to lower your risk for getting infected by coronaviruses by you know, 20%. A big change. I mean, we, we see it as being really valuable. And when we now apply these kinds of methods to energy techniques, we see things like that EFT study, which you can look up on PubMed. If you just go to the government's database, PubMed.com, you can re- look at these studies. You can read them in my books. But, again, there we saw an increase of 113% in a week. I mean, this, is, this would be a miracle cure. I, I, I joke sometimes that I would be, you know, I'd, I'd be a billionaire um, if I did this rather than driving a 10-year-old Honda. But, um, but I, I love driving the 10-year-old Honda, and I love doing what I do and getting this to people for free because it has such huge effects on their health. And the leverage we have here is enormous. I, I love using the tools of science to show just how potent these ancient energy techniques really are. Well, how how about this? So you're talking about a, a 20, 22-minute um, exercise or practice that can uh, change the immune system's response. And that's, that's 
easy. That's too easy. Just play with me here. That's too easy. <laughs> so what if you turn around and make it a a thousand dollar twenty two minutes, and then people can believe that it can have an effect. It's like a, the placebo of expense. <laughs> you know, if if something's so simple, sometimes people discount it as as folly, and yet. Um, I suggest our 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 own human consciousness, our own human intent is the decider of pretty much everything related to our health. Whether we believe we can or whether we believe we can't, we're pretty much right. We are, and we we really underestimate the uh, the leverage we have over our health. So, with the gene in your genes, I really wanted to give people a dramatic example of how big that leverage is and inspire them to change because that's the, the, the thing we have to do, the thing you have to do, I have to do, and that influencers like us need to do is inspire people. And so if, if I give you scientific facts, again, the philosophers are inspiring, the spiritual people are inspiring, and I get a lot of inspiration from them. And I just personally, I just get totally turned on by science. When science tells me that this is so, then I, I can believe it. So that's why my, my books use science. I'm using science as a tool of persuasion because the critical thing is, let's after this interview, what percentage of people will go out there, buy the gene in your genes, and there are 12 practices in the book, which I recommend. Who will go out and do those 12 practices? That's where the rubber meets the road. Will you, are you listening now? And, having, and thinking, gee, this is such interesting stuff. This is huge leverage over my health. Or are you thinking, what Les and I are hoping you're thinking is, this is huge leverage over my health, and I will go and use those 12 practices, apply them in my day, be one of those people who is in just a month having a big shift in their brain function, in their hormones, and in their immunity. So we really want to inspire you, I think, to, to do to apply these things and have a concrete plan. Say, like at one workshop I did recently, Les, a woman walked up to me and said, "I I read your book, and I decided to do eco meditation every single day for 30 days." And I said, "That's great. I'm so glad you made that commitment." And which which day are you on right now? She said, "Oh, I, I'm on day 129." Because I couldn't stop. She tried it. It was so easy, and she kept on, on doing it. So that's what we want to do. We want to inspire people to, to change the, apply these things and, and see and feel the radical improvements they can make in your life. Well, I like that. So let's, let's bring your book front and center. So as, as a listener to the show, I mean, Who's the book written for? I mean, when we talk about the um, the benefits of the book, who would it apply to? It's really meant to apply to anybody who's looking for leverage over their relationship life, their work life, their money life, their health, or their spirituality. Those are the five life areas that I cover in each of my books. And so it's for the person, for example, looking for a performance edge. If you want to perform better, if you want to perform better, say, as, a, as an investor in stocks, if you want to perform better in your career, if you want to reduce anxiety and give better presentations, then having low cortisol really helps you. If you have high cortisol, you, high cortisol impairs performance, whereas low cortisol 
increases performance. Um, if you want to be healthier, you want that low cortisol because then you again have higher immunity and lower cortisol correlates directly with higher levels of DHEA, which is your main anti-aging hormone, which is made of the same two precursors as cortisol. So if you have high DHEA, it promotes muscle mass, promotes bone density, promotes skin elasticity, promotes cognition, promotes all kinds of really good things with high DHEA. If you have low cortisol, you crash all of those, those body functions. So it's, it's really important, the gene in your genes and these ideas are really important, not just for business and performance, but also for health, for relationships. You want a high degree of emotional regulation. If somebody in your business or in your home is doing something annoying, you want to be able to regulate your anger, regulate your annoyance, regulate your resentment, and then process it appropriately. You don't just be giving in to all your negative emotions or suppressing them either. So it's really important for people in the relationship and in their career to have them, it fosters emotional intelligence. So uh, the final area, life area, is spirituality. If you are able to be that calm, kind, compassionate, altruistic person, if you meditate, you're then seeing those effects in, in your life and your spiritual life blossoms. You have equanimity. Like right now, we live in a, we're in a time of, 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 of social turmoil. Who is just giving it runaway fear? And who is able to speak calmly and compassionately and relate to other people? So your spiritual life is 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 critical to your equanimity, and this builds equanimity for the spiritual life as well. So th those are the five life areas, business, health, spirituality, money, and relationships. Well, very nice. Um, all right, well, it's time to plug yourself. We've been talking about your book. Can you tell uh, our uh, audience uh, how, how to get your book? And feel free to tell them about your other books and any other services that your platform provides. <clears throat> well, thank you. I appreciate that, Les. And yeah, the best way to get all of my uh, all of my details, like for example, certified practitioners, because we have hundreds of people certified in EFT, which can be you can, you can use um, you can tap along with them. The best way to get uh, names of practitioners, lists and locations of upcoming workshops. Um, information, free information, like, for example, the EFT Tapping Mini Manual, uh, Eco Meditation, all of those links are in one place, and that one place is my website, DawsonGift.com. So just my first name, Dawson, D-A-W-S-O-N-G-I-F-T, DawsonGift.com. And that also gives you access to places like uh, the Veterans Stress Project, where we treat veterans with PTSD for free, it gives you access to various specialized programs, like we have one for love relationships, one for um, one for weight loss. There are various other kinds of um, ways of applying EFT meditation there. But all of that's available at DawsonGift.com. I encourage you to both get a book, but also take a live workshop, see a practitioner. We have a new platform called The Tapping Place at TappingPlace.com, which is linked from DawsonGift.com where you can simply log on anytime, 24-7, and tap live with a practitioner on video conferencing. So there, there are lots of exciting new ways of delivering these, these techniques, 
And um, that one site, DawsonGift.com, is the portal to all of those things. Well, very nice. You know, um, having a conversation about epigenetics maybe even 20 or 30 years ago would have been a much smaller uh, pool of people uh-huh. who would have understood what we're talking about. But with the work you're doing in Bruce Lipton and whatnot, epigenetics is coming more front and center in the uh, in the realm of alternatives for for healing our condition. What do you see um, as far as what might be fringe ideas or concepts? The way epigenetics has kind of proven its worth, what what inklings do you have about the future, about um, what, what might come into the, the healing arena? That's an interesting thing to speculate about, Les. And um, I think there's a lot of really uh, far-fetched ideas out there. Like I hear people talk about all kinds of... Um, um, like miracle cures and energy techniques that I don't have any research behind them. So um, because there's no research, I don't know. I think the, the um, effect of, of intent is going to become clearer. We'll learn how to use intent more, more directed. I think the effect of group healing is going to become clearer as well. One of the intriguing pieces of research I've, I've looked at is one showing that uh, I've asked myself a really interesting question, which, which is, what stimulates positive neuroplasticity the most? And I answer that in a new book I've been writing, working on called Bliss Brain. And it turns out that one of the things that triggers the most rapid remodeling of your brain in a positive direction is group work, doing the stuff you do, meditation you do, personal growth work in a group. And so um, I think that we're going to see the emergence of, 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 the, of the power groups and also ways of using intention. I also think we're in the middle of a, a vast change in, in humankind. And I think that um, I'm going to argue, I'm going to look at the research in a new book I'll be writing in the next five years for the effects of many of the advances in human society over the last 300 years being due to the fact that we're actually evolving our brains. And we're evolving our brains fairly quickly as well. Uh, we are, it isn't the, the old story of Darwinian evolution happening over millennia through natural selection. Because we now can produce neuroplasticity in our brains within a few weeks, uh, we now know this from MRI studies, um, human beings are going to be changing their brains rapidly and then applying those enhanced brains to big social problems like poverty, like food quality, like uh, financial inequality. They'll be applying those enhanced brains to problems like global warming, climate change. And so I think we're on the verge of uh, an enormous improvement in human flourishing and global flourishing as a result of, um, of the way our brains are evolving and more people are now evolving their brains this way. Well, beautiful. Um, well, an hour can go by pretty fast. Um, I want to. I want to <laughs> thank you for. <laughs> I have very much enjoyed this conversation. I want to thank you for being our guest. And when uh, Bliss Spring comes out, keep us in mind because I'd love to have you back on the show. 
I want to thank you. It's, it's quite evident that the passion that you have for the work that you do is is really directly related to healing our human condition. So I want to applaud you for for such a wholehearted uh, immersion in the passion that you have to explore new possibilities for our human condition. Thank you for being our guest tonight. It's been a joy. Thank you. Again, the topic tonight has been the genie in your genes, and our guest tonight is Dr. Dawson Church. What a what a fun conversation. It was uh, a delight having him on the show. I want to thank his assistant, Jennifer and Sarah and Susan. These are back-channel people that, that um, put these shows together. And I just want to acknowledge their effort because you don't do hundreds and hundreds of shows without quite a bit of effort lining all this up. So I want to thank the uh, the, the teams behind the scenes, if you will, that makes all this happen. You know, our humanity's really searching for itself in so many ways. And... The, the answers we're looking for are within us. It's part of our frustration, I think, for a lot of people is they're looking for some kind of a connect the dots or some kind of a puzzle piece outside of them that'll help it all make sense. But as we've talked about tonight, it's our own consciousness, it's our own beliefs, it's our own intent that really crafts our life, our health, our future, our possibilities, to take the time to um, discover who you are in a, in a deeper sense, in a, in a more fundamental way, will bring peace to your mind. Your heart and your soul know a wisdom, know an understanding that your ego really can't comprehend. It was never designed to comprehend. And so your ego's got to let go, let go, and let the this this higher wisdom, this higher knowingness, this groundedness that's at the core of your being, create a space for it to to come out of you and blossom out of you, and and over time flourish out of you. And and once you get grounded in that feeling of connected to that inner self. Then, you, then you've got some legs. You've got a you've got a foundation of yourself, and then the winds of change can blow in our collective consciousness, in our collective storyline, and you're grounded. It doesn't tumble you around like tumbleweeds. Hey, it's always a pleasure bringing you episodes like this one tonight. I encourage you to to follow us on Blog Talk Radio slash New Human Living. Uh, that's the home of, our, of this show. Follow us there and then go to newhumanliving.com and sign up for the newsletter. And, and there's the books I've written and there's hundreds of shows in the archives from this radio program. Um, thanks for listening. It's always a pleasure sharing this time with you. I appreciate it. I'm your host, Les Jensen. Until next time, thanks for listening. This has been a New Human Living Radio broadcast. To bring your soul's inspiration into effect 
and live your life wide open. Check out our host, Les Jensen's latest book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.